Hello, everyone. Welcome to the second episode of the Magnastics podcast. Today, we will be talking about the European Youth Olympic Festival, Pan American Games, and a little preview of the U.S. National Championships. So we'll start by talking about the European Youth Olympic Festival, which happened towards the end of July. And really the biggest story there is Ukraine. They absolutely dominated in every way. So they won the team title, which is a huge deal because as far back as I could find, the team title of this competition has only been won by Russia or GB. So Ukraine winning is a huge, huge deal. And not only that, but they also took five out of the seven possible individual golds. Ilya Kovtun, who came third at Junior Worlds, took the all-around title here with a score of 82, which is a big number. And the thing about these Ukrainian boys is their difficulty is insane. It's another level for juniors. I, ju- I just want to remind everyone that juniors do not count 10 skills like the seniors. They only count eight so the fact that some of these guys have, you know, five plus difficulty is really saying something. Yeah, it's it's a lot. So obviously we all kind of know Takeru Kitazono is like the big name in juniors, but these guys actually have difficulty that compares to him. They're at the same level or actually in some cases have higher difficulty. So that's just how advanced these Ukrainian juniors are. They're not just high compared to everyone else at the competition. They've got more difficulty than any other juniors in the whole world. And it's absolutely insane. So second in the team competition was Russia, who had a massive improvement from junior worlds. Russia improved by about seven points from their Junior Worlds results. Yeah, so it was really good to see, actually, their top all-around gymnast, Ivan Kuliak, who ended up getting all-around silver. He actually qualified first to the all-around final, again, with a score of 82 exactly. So the same as Ilya Kovtun got in the all-around final. So that was a really big deal. That was about over four-point improvement from what he did at Junior Worlds. So that's a lot of improvement in a really short space of time. Yeah, Junior Worlds could have gone a little bit better for them. Yeah, it was a tough one for Russia. And at this competition, they had two of the world team members. And then their third member here was Mohamedjan Yakubov who was the alternate for Worlds, and he did amazingly. I remember you messaged me before the competition, like, who's this other Russian guy? He wasn't at Worlds. And he's a year younger than the other guys who are on the team. So he was born in 2003, and the other two are from 2002. And he absolutely killed it. And actually, one of my favorite moments was his floor routine. He's got the coolest little bit of choreo like a whole sequence for his non-acro skills. And he does, like, you know, sometimes when the guys do flares and then they do, like, a shoulder roll out of it? Yeah. He does that, but with no flares, he just goes from standing and he just kind of rolls over his shoulders. And it's very cool. And as soon as I saw that, I was like, we need gifts. We need gifts of this. It reminds me of David Belyavsky a little bit. Yeah. I mean, Russia's got... They have a good amount of dance training for the guys. Yeah. And they have a woman who works with them on their floor routines to help with their presentation and everything. And I think it really shows with things like this. They get quite creative with it sometimes. And in third place, taking the bronze was Italy. That came as a bit of a surprise to me. I know they got bronze at Euros last year. And then Great Britain in fourth. Yeah, so Great Britain was another team that really improved from Junior Worlds. And I think part of that was they had 
Raekwon Baptiste on the team this time and he's a very well-rounded gymnast who's capable of a lot of big numbers. He's been out for a while, so obviously he didn't go to Junior Worlds. So he wasn't quite at full strength here, I would say, but he's a big deal in the British juniors. I would say he's probably the best guy they've got in that age range. Well, he did win one of the non-Ukrainian golds here. Yes, and that is a rare thing indeed. So full congratulations to him. He took gold on vault. Yeah, vault was actually the only event Ukraine didn't get any medals on. So gold was Raekwon Baptiste, and then silver and bronze were the Bertinetta twins for Romania. Which I I can't tell them apart yet. (laughs) I can't tell if they're actually identical or not. I feel like there's a slight difference, but I haven't been able to work it out. I think Gabrielle has like a slightly thinner face, but it's very subtle, like very difficult. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, they compete different vaults, so that's one way to tell them apart, I guess. Gabrielle does a handspring double front. And he's the reigning junior world champion vault. But unfortunately, at this competition, he didn't make the double front, but still ended up with bronze. The final was a bit kind of one of those finals. Only three guys hit two clean vaults. And the first two being Raekwon and Robert Bertanetta. And the third was Sam Mustafi for Great Britain. But he ended up in fifth because he doesn't have quite the highest difficulty. And it was a shame to see him miss out despite doing two really good vaults when other guys had more difficulty but weren't clean. But full congratulations to him for being one of the guys that managed to stay on their feet. Yeah, that's sort of how Gabrielle ended up with the bronze because he does two 5.2 vaults, whereas... Raekwon and his twin Robert do one 5.2 and one 4.8. Yeah. So he does have that little bit of difficulty advantage. Yes. And in fourth was Naza Ciponi, who also did the same as Gabriel, a double front and a Kaz one and a half and sat the double front. So it kind of, it could have gone either way for the bronze, but it was cool to see the twins on a podium together for sure. We haven't had twins in gymnastics for a while. So in the all-around, a bit of a surprise was that Nazar Ciperni ended up all the way down in sixth place. And in fact, he didn't actually initially qualify to the final. The third Ukrainian guy, who isn't as well-known as the other two, Vladimir Kostyuk, he qualified ahead of Nazar. They had the two-country rule in place, but they they switched them for the final to let Nazar compete. And I was kind of like, that seems a bit harsh for a junior competition. Like, I understand where it's coming from because Nazar has huge difficulty, massive scoring potential, and he was, like, set to win the whole thing until the last event. But then the same thing that initially kept him out of the final was the same thing that ended up kind of costing him a medal because he had many problems on high bar the event where he is junior world champion he took a hard fall on his layout cut of half and then also fell on his Kovacs and then of course after these two falls he went up and did his triple twisting double layout dismount and stuck it cold (laughs) and actually until that event he was looking it was kind of between him and Coveton for the gold, even though Chipani had already counted a fall on Pommel Horse. So that's that's the level of difficulty that he's got. He can count a fall and still be in contention for the gold medal. Right. So Chipani, his total was 78.95. So if you add three points to that for the three falls he had, that's 81.95. And... Covton won with a 82 flat, so. Yeah, and also when he took his falls, he would have lost some difficulty value um, because the difficulty he um, ended up counting wasn't as high as it was in qualifying. Crazy kids. 
Yeah, all three of the Ukrainian guys are coached by the same woman. Irina Nadyuk. I'm like so impressed that for one thing, it's awesome to see a woman coaching really successful male gymnasts. And obviously they're winning everything and doing amazing stuff. But also part of me is like, they're only kids. Should they really be doing all of this difficulty so soon? Especially when Chapani is the only one who's eligible for the Olympics next year. All right. And now for event finals. Our first winner here is one of the Ukrainian ones, Nazar Chipurni, with a 14.3. Yeah, that routine was absolutely amazing. I mean, he had the most difficulty and he was the cleanest in the final. No one was going to get anywhere close to him. He's clean in the air. His landings were amazing. As soon as I saw that routine, I was like, that's it. I'm actually surprised two others in the final were able to get e-scores above nine, which, you know, like I said, the last time doesn't happen all that often. So those were uh, Ivan Kuliak and Samad Mamadli from Azerbaijan. Yeah. I mean, we've got to remember since they are doing less skills, there's less room for deduction. So it's a bit more common to get those e-scores above nine, but it's still really impressive when it happens. Definitely an achievement. Yeah. And I have to say, Kuliak of Russia, who got bronze on floor, his form is to die for. I hadn't seen that much of him before this competition, but now I'm like obsessed with him. He (laughs) is so clean and he's just kind of like the epitome of Russian gymnastics. Like he's clean, he's beautiful to watch, he's capable of quite high difficulty on some events, but also quite a lot of mistakes across the competition. Um, Yeah, very Russian. (laughs) And on Pommel Horse, Chaperny won again. His difficulty there was way above everyone else at a 5.5. And the next highest was 5.1. And that was from Kostyuk, also of Ukraine. Yes. And then Samad Mamaldi in silver medal position. He had the third highest difficulty at a 4.9. And he's got really nice leg form. And it was really cool to see him get a medal in front of the home crowd. Do you know when he's going senior? Yeah, 2002. So he's... Senior eligible next year. I'm guessing, though, he won't be selected for uh, the Olympics. Plus, next year we've got Junior Europeans, which the 2002 guys will still be eligible for. So a lot of them will probably be aiming for that. I think maybe with the exception of Chapani, because he's got a really, really good shot at Tokyo. All right. And then Rings was our other non-Ukrainian gold here. And that was won by Makamzan Yakbov. Yes, with the 9.2 execution score. Rings is kind of the only event where the Ukrainians aren't so far ahead of everyone. For one thing, they only had one guy in this final, which shocking because most of them, all three guys were qualifying for. But Chapani won the silver, the difficulty of 4.5, but there were a lot of other guys in the competition who matched that in difficulty, which was not the case for all the other events. So Ivan Kuliak took the bronze also with a 4.5. Yeah, it's rings finals come down to very little. I mean, I felt bad for Luca Bottarelli from Switzerland, who ended up in fourth place by a third of a tenth. Less difficulty, but he had 9.1 execution and he just looked absolutely gutted. And I was gutted for him because his rings were really, really nice. I mean, rings is one of those events where it's it's hard for juniors because the strength usually comes a bit later. So rings is perhaps not the most exciting event to watch for juniors because they all kind of do the same thing. Yeah, it's my least favorite event overall. I know a lot of people don't like Pommel Horse, but Rings is my least favorite. 
And then parallel bars. Our Ukrainian winner here was Kaptun. We are shocked. <laughs> um, I did say in our podcast with Junior Worlds that he could have won the title if he did not fall. And this time he kept it together and won by three tenths. Yes, ahead of another <laughs> Ukrainian guy. This time it was Kostyuk who took silver with a 14.3. Yeah, Ukraine on parallel bars. I mean, we all know that country's got such a reputation on that event with Vinayev, and obviously Pakinyuk is amazing there, and they've got a lot of history on that event, and clearly it's coming up through the juniors as well. These guys were so far ahead of everyone else. And then in bronze, we have Christian Balazs from Hungary, who got a 13.566. I believe his name is Kiki, which is super cute. (laughs) Yes, love that. And then high bar, Kaftan was the winner here also. And in second, we have Lucas Desanges from France. And then Ivan Brunello from Italy in third. So slightly more diverse podium than the other events. Yeah, and I have to say I absolutely love Desanges' routine. He does three piatti type skills so he does stalled kachev stalled layout kachev and stalled kachev half and you almost never see even a regular piatti in anyone's routine hey tin has one now yes but it's not common it's, <laughs> no <laughs> it's a rare skill and he does Three of them in the same routine. I mean, I can't think of anyone else who I've seen do laid out recently. Yeah, he's one of those junior gymnasts you watch and you think, okay, this is kind of more like a senior routine. Like they're clearly aiming for big stuff when they make the move up to seniors. I guess the next item on our list is the Pan American Games. Yes, and this was another one where we had some domination, this time from Brazil. Well, they were pretty much bringing their A team here. I mean, they have two Olympic medalists with Arthur Zanetti and Arthur Nori. And Caio Souza was also on their Rio team, right? I'll just double check. (laughs) Right, so going into this competition, Brazil was my pick to win. Because even though the USA men were bringing a pretty strong team, and Canada was as well, they just had that extra something. They're a little more experienced, and they did end up winning. Oh, Kyle Souza was not on the Rio team. Oh, he's not? No. Who was on their Rio team? Um, So Arthur Nori, Arthur Zanetti, uh, Barreto, Hippolito, and Sergio Sasaki, who I dearly miss. Is he retired or not? I think he is, yeah. Because he, like, hinted about coming back, and then, like, I don't know where that went. Yeah. I mean, it's a bit off topic, but... I was always, he was always, like, right there in the world standings, like, just off the medals. And I really thought one day he would get in there, and then he had his knee injury. And, yeah, it's, I'm sad about that. But He has a wonderful move named after him on parallel bars now. Which he shares with Lee Chohan, by the way. Even though everyone just calls it a Sasaki. I think it's. <laughs> to pronounce for most people yeah anyway I mean I don't really know what else there is to say about the team because Brazil Canada and the U.S. were just so far ahead of everyone else it's quite the gap in team total so yeah I think this is kind of the podium everyone expected maybe depending on the day Canada and the U.S. could It's a bit unpredictable for silver and bronze, but ultimately the American team is 
the stronger team. But Canada still had an absolutely amazing, amazing showing. This is their first Pan Am's team medal since 1999. That is 20 years. They were really, they weren't perfect. They had to count a fall on floor and some other mistakes. And they ended on pommel horse, which is obviously always a bit of a tough one. You don't really want to end there, but it's a good event for Canada. I mean, before they went, I was like, okay, this is a good event for them in theory, but they have to, they have to bring it. And they really did. They, I think everyone was quite shocked by the level they showed there. They managed to get over a 42 team total there, which is a lot. Yeah. Zach Clegg just knocked it out of the park and tied for first in qualifying. Yeah. And he only competed two events. So. Yeah, he was really there for Pommel Horse. He also did rings, but that's not really a strong event for him. Pommel Horse is his thing. He's a Commonwealth medalist there as well from last year. And yeah, he really delivered when it counted for the team. I mean, it ended up not being that close, but on another day it could have been the difference between silver and bronze maybe but it shows they they know how to hit in a pressure situation, which should really help them out at Worlds this year. One of the big stories for the Pan American Games this year was Daniel Corral from Mexico, who was coming back after being out for a while with injury, I think. Having him back was a really big deal just for him personally and also for the Mexican team. In the team final, the Mexican team actually got fourth place. And they just overall was a huge improvement from last year. And they were all very happy about it. So congratulations to Mexico. Yes, and he actually made multiple finals. So he qualified in third all around, ended up not competing in the final. He was actually fourth all around. He also qualified second on floor and and then third on pommel horse. Yeah, so he had a very good day. He actually ended up withdrawing from the all-around final. Not sure of specifics if they ever released any, but word His is... Shoulder, I think. Okay, yeah, word is he got injured again. I don't know if it was his previous injury got aggravated or if it's something new, but he withdrew from the all around final to focus on event finals. He ended up not competing in the high bar final at all. And then ended up getting fifth in both the floor and pommel horse final. Yeah. Hopefully whatever the problem was will be quickly resolved and we'll get to see him some more because it's been a long time since we'd last seen him and we don't want that to happen again. Right. And I think we have to talk about the elephant in the room during team qualification. Brody Malone came into this competition with uh, some high expectations. That's probably partially due to the two of us hyping him up quite a bit. Yeah, he pulled earlier this year, he pulled off one of the biggest upsets of the year he won the ncaa title um all-around title as well as the titles on high bar and floor he wasn't even on the national team um i think he didn't qualify to winter cup just because he didn't compete that much earlier in the season so he was able to due to his results at ncaa's he was able to petition to the camp for pan ams and was eventually selected to the team. After winning selection camp. Right. So both of us were like, we want Brody to win the all-around title. And obviously one of the things that he can really contribute to is high bar. And during the team final slash individual qualification, did not go well for Brody at all he fell three times off the bar and then had another he fell on a he he stayed on the bar but what what else did he mess up on that basically it was yeah he did attack half and then in the handstand out of it his arms just buckled and he came down onto the bar so basically four falls 
Yeah, that somebody said it was like a snowball effect. So like after the first one, it just got worse. And unfortunately, that's what happened. He did still end up qualifying to the all around final. So we were still happy about that. But obviously, a high bar final was not in the cards for him. But he did go on to to hit the rest of his events that day and including a 14.5 on pommel horse to qualify in first on that event, which I think really just shows, you know, he's got the mental strength. This was his first ever senior elite competition, not even senior international competition. It was his first ever senior elite competition since he hadn't competed earlier in the year at Winter Cup. You know, things go wrong, and I think it's safe to say after you score a seven on high bar at your first senior international competition, it's only up from there. And he's got a bright future for sure. The thing is, though, all of the American guys who are at Pan Ams this week, they had the choice if they wanted to compete at the national championships or not, because those are coming up on August 8th. So because they're so close together, these guys had a choice. Do you want to use your scores from Pan Ams instead of going to the national championships? So that, you know, it's it's very exhausting to compete back to back like that. So I know some of us were wondering, since, you know, one of Brody's strengths is high bar, you know, and obviously that didn't go well for him on the first day in Pan Ams, like, do you think he would, you know, change his mind and choose to compete at nationals? I'm not sure. Um, He did do a lot better in the all-around final, though, scoring a 13.5. So I'm not sure if they'll take that score or if they were only using scores from that team final. So I don't know. I don't think they've really said how they were counting these scores. So I'm, I'm not sure how it will work out. Yeah, well... All I know is if Brody isn't at World Team Selection Camp, I will cry. (laughs) That's all I've got. Yeah. And we can't talk about qualifications without mentioning Robert Neff. Of course. (laughs) Who qualified in the all-around in first place, which I'm not sure anybody was expecting, not even me. And look, okay. Robert Neff is probably my favorite underrated gymnast, or at least underrated American gymnast. I feel like I've been yelling into the void about Robert Neff for, like, literally years. I've been a fan of Robert Neff pretty much as long as I've been a fan of Tin. Oh, wow. So this has been a couple years at this point. And now I feel like... People are finally starting to notice him. I remember, and he was selected to the national team after Winter Cup in 2017. So he could have competed at nationals later that year, but he didn't because he went to Universiad and they were at the same time. So you can only go to one or the other. I just remember being very sad. I was not going to see Rob at nationals. I did mention this on Twitter, but he did do relatively well at Universiad in 2017. So So what Rob is known for is high bar. He is a two-time NCAA champion on high bar, which is a pretty crazy feat, not to only win one time, but to win it two times in a row. So he's also a pretty good all-arounder, um, which is how he got named to the national team a couple times now at this point. So I guess for most people, he was just one of those like on the periphery guys that you knew was there but didn't really pay attention to. I mean, other than me, of course. But yeah, what is surprising is that he did not qualify to the high bar final here at, at Pan Am's but he qualified in first place to the floor final and also qualified to the pommel horse final. With scores of over 14 on both. 
And he ended up being the most decorated American guy at Pan Ams with his three silver medals. So he did pretty good for himself. Pretty good. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So the all-around final. Well, I didn't actually watch the whole thing. I fell asleep four events in. (laughs) So I did not see the conclusion of this. It was stressful. I'm sorry, I was tired. (laughs) (laughs) So the Brazilian guys were pretty far ahead. I mean, Caio Souza was the whole time just absolutely on fire until we got to Parallel Bars, which is his best event. He had a big break. So he bent his legs and took several steps. So that's a tenth for every step, and then obviously the deduction for the form break. So that probably ended up costing him. Yeah, so, and then it was like, oh, has he kind of lost his mojo? <laughs> I don't know. But then he went and hit a beautiful eye bar routine. So really, the way he was looking in that final, as long as he could keep that up, it was kind of not really in question. The big battle was for the bronze medal which ended up being a contest between the two Canadian guys, Corey Patterson and Renee Conway. And that was stressful. I absolutely adore Renee as a gymnast. He is so clean. He's got like maybe the best leg form, I don't know, out of everyone ever. That might be an exaggeration, but he is, he's so clean and he's brilliant to watch. And Personally, I was really rooting for him to get a medal. I really enjoyed watching both of them. I know they were all in the top group starting on floor. Floor did not go well for a lot of them, but Corey did really well on that. I also really like watching him on P-bars and high bar. So, Yeah, he, like he said, standard early and he just kept it up the whole way. It was very, I would say his gymnastics isn't like, it's not as flashy as like say the Brazilian guys but it's just it's solid and clean and I actually did say during the final in a tweet I said he reminds me a lot of James Hall from GB because he was just getting on with it very chill get the job done and the scores come and that's exactly what happened he both the Canadian guys scored over 82 which is a big deal for Canada and Corey's bronze was Again, this is their first all-around medal at a Pan Am Games since 1999. So the fact that they had third and fourth when it's been so long since they've got a medal is just amazing. On to the event finals. Floor? Yeah, this is the first gold for Tomas Gonzalez of Chile. Finally! Yeah, he had gotten a silver and a bronze before at previous Pan Am games, but he finally has a gold to add to his collection. Yeah, and how well-deserved as well. I mean, his routine. I love how he lands everything, like, standing up. There's no low chest deduction to him. And then in second, we have... Robert Neff, so that was one of his silvers. And then in third, we had Andres Martinez of Colombia. Yeah, I really liked his routine. He was first up, I believe, and he really, I was really impressed because I'm not that familiar with him. I was really hoping he'd walk away with a medal, and he did. So that's awesome. Yeah, unfortunately, I didn't really get the chance to watch any of the event finals but I'm in the middle of trying to catch up on YouTube so yeah I managed to catch little bits um like during car journeys <laughs> all right and then pommel horse this was not a podium I expected especially after how qualifications went yeah that was it was one of those finals. Yeah, nobody broke 14 here, if that tells you anything. 
Yeah, one of those rough ones. Unfortunately, both Brody and Zach, who both got 14 fives in qualifying, it um, didn't quite go their way in the final. Yeah, I see Zach's difficulty is way down at 4.9. So what happened? I haven't actually seen his routine. I would probably think he fell and something didn't get credited because it was incomplete. Right. So our winner here was Francisco Barreto, also known as Chico. Yeah, he won with a 13.533. And then rounding out our podium, we have Robert Neff in second. So that was his second silver. And then in third, Carlos Calvo of Colombia. It's really cool to see the Colombians doing well, even without kind of their top two guys. Rings. This was... Okay, I thought this should have been the easiest gold of the whole competition. Like, yeah, this was definitely a massive upset. Arthur Zanetti, who is a former Olympic champion and got silver in 2016, did not win. And he looked really good in qualifying, even... Obviously, the standard for him is incredibly high. He's an Olympic champion. But I watched his routine in qualifying, and I was like, okay, wow, that is a good routine for him. So I kind of thought, I mean, he's had some ups and downs in the last few years. But I thought, oh, he looks really good. This is going to be a breeze for him. It was not. No. Um, our winner here was Fabian De Luna from Mexico, who actually, like, in qualifications, I know a couple of us thought he fell on his dismount because it looked like his hand touched the mat, but I guess they didn't take that because he ended up scoring pretty well still, obviously enough for him to qualify into the finals. Anyway, clearly that did not happen in this final because he won. Him and um, Zanetti had the same difficulty, so it really just came down to execution here. For bronze, we had Federico Molinari of Argentina, who finally won his first Pan Am Games medal at the age of 35. Oh, he's 35? I did not realize that. Wow. Yeah. He actually had the same score as Kaio Souza, but he won out on execution. So. Yeah, he. it wasn't his best routine. He did a lot better in qualifying. So, obviously, what happens in the final goes. He was capable of better, but I think, honestly, he was just absolutely thrilled to get a medal. Great. And then Vault. I did manage to see Vault. Audrey Sneen Reyes had one of the most beautiful Dragulescu's I've ever seen. Like, was super high, landed pretty well. He kicks out above the vault table i'm not doing it any justice describing it here you guys should go watch it if you haven't already got a nice slow-mo video of it on his instagram i think go yeah. watch that even if you have watched it already just go watch it again just do it <laughs> yeah i mean that vault is it's too easy for him i've seen multiple people be like oh that vault's too easy for him and it genuinely is i mean he the last World Cup event he did, he did that vault piked. And it was actually really good. A lot of piked Dragulescu attempts we see are either not piked or severely under-rotated. Yeah, but he landed, like, high. It just looked easy for him. The landing was a bit ropey. But I think he kind of struggles with landings generally. I think he's kind of one of those gymnasts where he's got so much power and then it kind of not so much control when it comes to the landings. Like, you see that a lot with kind of gymnasts from Cuba as well. Yeah, but I think the thing is he's so injured all the time. I feel like every other competition he goes to, it's like, oh, my God, he's limping. Oh, no, he's injured. So I think that's why he kind of has to hold back on the difficulty at the moment. But I think once we get to Worlds, he's going to be going for the 6.0. So in second was Jorge Vega Lopez, which he was, besides Audrice, he was the only other one to do a 5.6 vault here. 
So that's pretty exciting. And then third went to Alejandro de la Cruz of Cuba. First Cuban medal of these games. I love that the the Cuban guys are showing they don't need Manrique to win medals. Obviously, the team struggle with him on it, but they're really building up a good, strong team with multiple competitive gymnasts, and it's really, really awesome. Oh, what I was sad about with the the vault final, Luis Porto, who I loved so much at the university ad where he took vault bronze he qualified in third place but in the final he overcooked it yeah so I'm saying it's time for a triple (laughs) I don't know maybe not but yeah he that vault's huge and I'm not surprised that he overdid it a bit to be honest and then parallel bars this was also the one other event final I managed to see had some pretty unique skills in this final. I was very impressed. I remember Ariam Vergara did a Beliavsky dismount. Yeah, which, I, you don't see a lot at all. Yeah, I feel like you can count on one hand the amount of guys who have competed that dismount. Um, so for anyone who doesn't know what that is, it's a pike double front, which obviously first done by... David Beliavsky and I think Arta Dalloyans competed it once. Well, now Dalloyan has the front double pike half named after him. Um, yeah, and then Vergara has done it. And off the top of my head, I'm not sure if anyone else has. Well, I know Farat Arachan from Turkey was training the front double pike half, but was never credited with it internationally. Yeah, I'm not sure if he ever just did the pike double front, though. And so it's rated the same as a double front half, but I would say it's probably a bit harder to do because obviously it's the forward landing and also pike shapes are hard. Wait, they're rated the same? Yeah. What? Why? Yeah, that's why David switched because he wasn't, well, he wasn't landing it consistently for a while, so he um he switched and didn't lose any difficulty. That's... They need to change that. Yeah, I mean, I I understand it's like the double front and then the half turn adds a tenth in difficulty and then the pike shape adds a tenth in difficulty. But they don't look like they're the same difficulty, do they? I mean, you can just tell from the difference, like every other person does a double front half and like three or four people have ever done a pike double front. So, yeah. So Francisco Barreto was... One of the top qualifiers, I think, behind Kaio Souza. And his routine was looking so good. And then he just, like, went a little sideways on a handstand on on the one bar, I think, and then just totally collapsed. And I I had to watch the replay, like, three times because I didn't understand what happened. The rest of his routine was absolutely beautiful. And then Carlos Calvo, who ended up getting fourth. He did this really cool Carbio 2, but it was like he was in a handstand and then he like did the inverse locate. And, you know, the code says from handstand with rotated grip, you inlocate to support. Carlos Calvo ended up going up to handstand after that. Could have been a little bit cleaner. And I think that's what cost him a medal in the end no I don't think I've ever seen anything like it in competition obviously someone competed it at some point because it's in the code but yeah definitely some very unique routines in this final and then Kayo Souza who was the top qualifier here he did end up getting silver he had like I don't know maybe some people wouldn't have noticed it but he did have one form break Anyway, there's this really cool um, double front. Yes, yes. I remember that from the all-around final. Yeah. And you don't really see that. You see a lot of people, especially people like Marcel and Yuan, um, do the double backs. But you don't really see double fronts too much. That's definitely the first time I've seen one in quite a while. I can't think of anyone recently who's done one. Not off the top of my head anyway. So our winner here was Isaac Nunez from Mexico. 
which is a pretty big deal, I think. He was just very clean. I don't know what to say. I was just impressed by him. Yeah, I'm, he had the, the highest execution of the final by almost three-tenths, so I think that just kind of shows he was really the cleanest gymnast in this final, so a well-deserved title for him there. Rounding out our podium, we have Cameron Bach from USA. Peril Bars is definitely one of his best events, so I was happy to see him in this final. I think Vergara from Cuba was had a pretty good chance at a medal here because he did pretty well in qualifications. Yeah, he qualified in third, and I remember he um, he came off during his routine, and I just remember him looking absolutely gutted. I think he had a real chance at a medal there. Unfortunate for him. But overall, definitely a very interesting final, even if it wasn't the cleanest. Yeah, I feel like P-Bars finals can kind of go either way. They're either going to be one of those ones where, like, everyone is super clean and hits and, like, the difference is between, like, who shuffled in a handstand or something. And then sometimes they just get a bit weird and everyone starts going down. And our last event final was high bar, where Francisco Barreto got another gold and Arthur Nori got the silver. Yeah, I was a little bit surprised by the order they came in because obviously Arthur Nori qualified in first and he's got uh, the highest difficulty at a 6.3, whereas Barreto has a 6.1. Yeah, Nori hit his routine, and I was like, oh, wow, that was really good. That's probably going to win. Well, I think he had a giant or something where he had to muscle it up a little. Yeah, and that is probably what made the difference. But I still thought he was going to get it because he's got so much difficulty. But then Francisco went up, and he was just brilliant. And I think he was the last one up, so... Yeah, like he was celebrating and Arthur was celebrating and they were all like jumping up and down. Yeah, that was really cool. Well, Barreto stuck his dismount also, so that probably helped. Both of the Brazilian guys have triple Tkachev combos, which is pretty cool. You don't see them very often, although you do see them more often now than did prior to the, the great bitch revolution <laughs> um, I think you can definitely be given the credit for popularizing that one. Oh, and then our bronze medalist Hubert Godoy Godoy was the only other one in this final to break 14 and he did it with the highest execution of the whole final with an 8.5 which is pretty big for high bar they've really cracked down on the pirouette angles which they should. Yes, and that's why you see someone like Robert Neff, who is absolutely brilliant on high bar, got an execution score under seven and qualifying for a hit routine. He did a lot better in the all-around final, though. Although every gymnast in this final got an execution score above eight, which is quite unusual. So high-quality final. Anything else you wanted to add? Yeah, so... Now, Robert Neff appears to no longer be at Stanford. Instead, he's training at the U.S. Olympic and Paralympic Training Center in Colorado. I just found out earlier today that's new because he was still training at Stanford back in February when they had the Winter Cup. Yeah, it sends a signal to me that he does want to try for 2020. Robert Neff has zero social media. I don't know what his goals are, like... Nobody's done an interview with him, so I don't know. But him moving to Colorado to train definitely tells me that he wants to try for 2020, which I honestly was, wasn't sure if he was going to go for that or not. The stream actually showed quite a lot of routines from Reese Beckford, who competes for Jamaica. And I just want to say he looks really really good at the moment he's generally been a bit up and down with his gymnastics he's kind of known for inconsistency but he looked really good here I think he had some trouble in the all-around final but in qualifying definitely he looked the best I've seen from him for a while so that was really good to see yeah I remember I tweeted that his rings looked really good yeah he's rings is one of his better events for sure 
He's got really nice toe point. He loses it a bit during the harder skills sometimes, but especially on rings, you can really see. So it's really cool that he's got those nice lines. And also on vault, he does a round off half on front full off, which is unusual. You don't usually see that style of vault, except if it's from a guy that does two vaults. So it would be interesting to know how come he does that. But that vault is worth two tenths less than either handspring one and a half or a cas full so interesting there must be a a reason why he's opting for the slight slightly lower start value for a less conventional vault style i don't think there's anything else i particularly had to say but i just want to reiterate how amazing canada look i really think they've got a great chance at qualifying a team to tokyo which would be a huge deal. They're, they've really been on the rise in the last year and a half or so. I remember I was so impressed by how they looked at Commonwealth Games last year, and they're only getting better. On to the U.S. Championships. The National Championships are going to be starting on August 8th. Yeah, the men are competing on the first day and the third day. So I'm just going to start off with who is not going to be there. We have everyone who competed at Pan Am. So Brody, Robert, Grant, Cameron, and Genki. Now, all of these guys who competed at Pan Am, like I mentioned earlier, did get the choice to compete at nationals or if they wanted to use their Pan Am scores in place of nationals. Another person who won't be competing is Marvin Kimball. He's had a bit of a roller coaster career so far. Um, You know, he's insanely powerful and talented, but can fall victim to inconsistency a little bit. Um, It is notable that he won't be there because he is a former national champion on rings. He tied with, Mike Wilner, uh, two years ago in 2017. So he's also really good on pommel horse and high bar. So he can fit into a team situation really well. Yeah, he's kind of one of those guys where it's like if he was at his best, he would fit into the team so well. But we don't really know what's going on with him at the moment. Oh, I do want to mention, though, he also has a souk double pike on vault. So, like I said, he's insanely powerful. But he recently had an interview with Gymnasticsville. He didn't really mention why he wasn't competing. He didn't say that he was injured. He just said that he was focusing on next year. So, I don't know. This is me speculating. Maybe we can expect some upgrades for him. Um, He will be competing next at the Windy City Invitational. And then just a couple of juniors we won't be seeing. Um, Brandon Briones, who you should probably know from the Youth Olympic Games. Haven't really seen him at all since then, but that's okay. He doesn't really have anything to prove at this point. He is starting at Stanford soon if he's not already there. So maybe he's just taking the time to adjust and maybe upgrade. And then the other junior I wanted to mention was Fuzzy Banis was part of the three-way tie last year in the junior division with Isaiah Drake and Justin Achow. Top anticipated athletes on each event. Going to start off with Floor, obviously. Got to put down Sam Akulik. He's basically going to be one of your top athletes on every event. There's no way around it. (laughs) Also, Yule Moldauer, Jacob Moore, who... I absolutely adore. He actually hit a season high of like 15.3 in NCAA this year. Brennan Pantesis, Kanji Oyama, Gage Dyer, Alan Bauer, Eddie Panev, who is making a big comeback this year. Danelle Wittenberg, who has not competed floor since he's returned to competition. He's a bit of a question mark right now, but... If he is 100%, you should definitely see him as one of the top finishers and Riley Luce. Those are my picks for top 10. During his interview with Gymnasticsville, Marvin Kimball did say that he does think Donnell will be on the all-around podium. So 
Oh, that's a bold claim. Yeah. If he's looking good, if he's anywhere near top form, then you would expect that, really. And also, if if he's in the kind of form that's going to put him on the all-around podium, then that's definitely the kind of form that's going to put him in contention for the world's team. Absolutely. And because he's so, so good on multiple events, whereas I feel like most of the contenders have one or two really strong events and aren't so well-rounded, but Donnell is, like, he's, well, he's got his weaknesses, but he has several places where he can contribute, so. Oh, yeah. I think he's been a bit missed on the teams recently. I think they'd be pretty happy to have him back. Right. So, Pommel Horse, this is going to be a really exciting battle, if you will, in my opinion. Um, We've got Alec Yoder, Steven Nederosik, and Michael Paradise, who have been, you know, going back and forth all season, basically. So they're coming back and competing against each other again. And then Donathan Bailey, who won by quite a sizable margin at the national qualifier. Really excited to see him coming back from injury. He actually had a really good shot at making the world's team last year. It was. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, him getting injured and having to withdraw from selection camp was really sad to see because I think he had a really good shot at making his first ever world's team. So, hopefully, he can make a good comeback here um, if he, if the events he's doing are at a strong level, he could totally be in contention again. And then Sam Akulik, like I said, he's probably going to be everywhere. He's like America's number one guy for a reason. Um, Alan Bauer, who I think got second last year at Nationals. And Akash Modi and Yul Moldauer. I think those are going to be your main guys on Pommel Horse. On two rings, I'll mention Alex Dieb who is the two-time NCAA national champion. He also just got back from Universidad, where he made the rings finals. As one of the better Maltese's in the country, somebody else who has really good Maltese's, Trevor Howe. Looking forward to seeing how he does on rings. Also, Mike Wilner. He is a former co-national champion on this event, shared the title with Marvin Kimball in 2017. So I feel like we haven't seen him in a while. Um, I believe he was at Winter Cup, but I don't remember seeing him, so I don't think he did that well for one reason or another. Rings is not generally an event that the U.S. has much depth on, but I think we could be in for an interesting showdown between these guys this year. I also have here Danell Wittenberg because he just smashed it and won the title at the national qualifier. So he seems to be looking pretty good on that event, even though we don't know what he's going to be looking like on floor. Also, you can't count out Sam and Ewell. Also want to mention Sean Melton and Colin Van Wicklin. For vault, uh, just want to remind everyone that only one vault counts. So, And we don't even get the scores for the second vault, which is extremely annoying. Definitely look out for a big vault from Colin Van Wicklin, explosive vaulter. He's one of the only people in the U.S. capable of a 5.6 vault right now. Um, he usually does a Dragulescu, but he has hinted at upgrading to a Blahnik. He put up a video of his Dragulescu and was like, I'm never doing this again. But then he um, did it again after. And he's also put up a video of him working on a Pike Dragulescu, which I don't think is likely to appear. But I don't know if he wants to give us all heart attacks, then he might bust that out. I don't know. <laughs> I, w- I would rather he not do the Pike Dragulescu. <laughs> yes, I would also rather that. But... Yeah, it'll be exciting to see if he brings out the Blahnik and if he does, if he can be one of the few guys who can do it with the actual pike shape. 
And then Levy Anderson, who has a huge Suk double pike. He has stuck it before in competition. And that was so exciting. I can't even tell you. Don't know if he will stick it again. But either way, it's a pretty big vault. Um, Definitely be on the lookout for it. I feel like since he started doing that vault, it's only been improving for him. I also have Danelle Wittenberg. So same situation for Floor. He has not competed this since he's made his return. Um, So a bit of a question mark here, but he's very powerful on this event and has a world medal. So So we've got a potential Dragulescu there if he's at full difficulty. I know sometimes he'll only do the double front. Yeah, so a potential third 5.6 volt there, which I think is all the guys with 5.6 volts in the country, I want to say. Well, other than Marvin Kimball, who's not competing. Yes. Also, Trevor Howard, he has two vaults. Eddie Penev, can't leave him out. Got one of the best yeah. shoe belts. So it'll be interesting to see level he's at after his injuries. His normal vaults are a shoe felt and a round off, half on, front double twist off. I would say the shoe felt is better vault, even though it's slightly lower in difficulty. But yeah, he's a he's a great vaulter. Also, Yule, Sean Melton, Donathan Bailey, Sam McCulloch. Also want to add Matt Wenske and Tim Wang, who actually won this event at the National Qualifier. So. I'd also like to mention Alan Bauer because he can stick that vault like almost every time. I swear, like anytime you see him do it, there's a good 90% chance he's going to stick it. All right. Parallel bars, which I think is uh, one of the events where we have more depth. Sam McCulloch. Obviously, and Yul Muldaur, they're going to be everywhere. Alec Yoder is also pretty strong on this event, as is Akash Modi. Jonathan Bailey, Trevor Howard, Alan Bauer, Adrian de Los Angeles. Could probably also add Colin to Parallel Bars and Sean Melton also. Let's not forget Donnell Wittenberg is a world finalist on Parallel Bars. Right. He didn't look too great on parallel bars the last time we saw him, but if his rings have gotten that much better, probably count on him for parallel parallel bars also. Yeah, it'll be a bit of a toss-up, but potentially we could see some big things from there. And I think it's really interesting that he's so good at parallel bars because it's not the kind of event you usually expect the really powerful guys to be good on, but he is, so... And our last event is High Bar. Obviously, we've got Sam, who now has a world medal. Woohoo! Also, Levy Anderson's pretty strong on High Bar, as is Colin. Also, want to throw in Evan Davis of Iowa. Akash Modi. Probably also put Shane Wiskus in there, Kanji Ayama, and Trevor Howard. Just want to remind everyone my picks are kind of. My picks are based off the past year or so of, like, domestic and NCAA scoring. So things can change, though. You know, yeah. It's going to have a bad day or an amazing day. Now for top all-arounders, these are going to be the guys you see most frequently. So they're not really any surprises here for the most part. Sam, Yule, Alan, Akash, Alec, Shane Wiskus. Danelle, Colin, D, Sean, and Levy, probably. I think that's like 12 people, maybe. So there's a chance at least half of the guys I just named will be on the national team. Yeah. So if if you had to predict an all-around podium right now, who's your pick? Because I always try and play this game with World Cups and stuff, and I never get it right. So... It's your turn. What's your pick? Honestly, I'm probably going to say that the podium will be the same as last year. So Sam in first, Yule in second, and Alan in third. That's believable. <laughs> Since yes. I don't know what to expect from Donnell, and Alan is insanely consistent, as we know. 
I'm gonna I'm gonna make a bold prediction, and you can all laugh at me later. I'm gonna say Sam, then Donnell, then you'll. I mean, I can't say that's ridiculous right now because how many times have I said this while we've been recording? We don't entirely know what Don looks like right now. Yeah, and there's a bit of a question mark over Yule as well after his injuries and stuff. So, bold prediction, but if I'm right, I'll feel like a genius. And that's always nice. (laughs) Do we have any other bold predictions? Do you want to say anything about who's in contention for world? Oh, man. Um, How many people do we have? Five? Five. I'm fully in support of just putting five Alan Bauer clones on the team. (laughs) But we can't do that. No. And (laughs) really, you can't leave Sam behind, what with all his big scores. So... Well, if we have Sam, Yule, and Alan. Do we actually think Alan is going to make it, though? Or are we just... We're living in a fantasy world right now. Okay, okay. <laughs> I'm cool with that. We're going to need a rings guy. So I would put Donnell on the team, especially because he can also put up a really big vault. Yeah. I, I will say, if you've got a guy like Donnell who can put up big scores on multiple events, which is unlike the situation we had last year. We had kind of Colin was really contributing on two events and Alec was putting up a big score on one event. But if you've got a guy like Donnell who can put up big scores on multiple events, then there's more room for someone like Alan, who's a bit more of a well-rounded guy. So that leaves a little bit of a weak spot, I guess, on... High bar. So... I'm going to put Donathan on there because he can also contribute on Pommel Horse. Yeah, that's, yeah, I like that. That's an interesting Line prediction. It'll be extremely interesting to compare this to what actually ends up happening. All right. Thanks for listening, and we hope you join us next time. <laughs>